Welcome to She Can Too, hosted by me, Kristen Cantu. This is a podcast that shares insights and lessons from Vermont's women entrepreneurs. We speak with women about their personal journey in entrepreneurship and how it impacts every aspect of their life. In this episode, we are interviewing Kat Whitledge. Kat owns Kat Whitledge Basics and Bespoke, which designs and produces clothing in Vermont with a sustainable, slow fashion focus. Hi, Kat. Hey, Kristen. I am so excited to have you as a guest on the podcast. Um, Kat is based in Winooski, Vermont, and I'm just, I'm also really excited for all of you to get to know her story a bit better. Um, So Kat, I've just done a really brief introduction of you and your business, um, which I know only touches the surface of who you are. (laughs) Um, So to help our listeners get a better idea about who you are, my first question for you is, how would you describe yourself? Um, I'm an artist of all sorts. uh, So therefore, I'm quirky. um, I'm a good friend, humanitarian. I'm an Aquarius, a feminist. And I'm a thinker and feeler. Um, feels like there's a constant game of cat and mouse going on at all times with my brain and my heart. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Awesome. And then, Kat, my second question for you is, what exactly is sustainable slow fashion? Sustainable slow fashion is, um, first of all, knowing your maker, knowing things that I knowing that things are ethically made um, with fibers and materials that are sourced as locally as possible and will eventually be biodegradable. Um, But hopefully, you know, as opposed to fast fashion, which is, um, you know, buying things that are made cheaply um, in huge factories abroad that are ill-fitting, the opposite of that is slow fashion, where you find something, um, find a maker that can make you something that's going to last and fits you properly. Awesome. Um, so can you tell us then what exactly drew you to the world of fashion? And then I guess in particular, sustainable slow fashion. Um, so I have served my time um, in retail stores. uh, And I noticed that many times people would really struggle in, in the shops and literally come out of the dressing room in tears, not being able to find something that fits. Um, And it's really just, it's a shame. I've experienced it. um, And I just, kind of got, I got upset seeing that happening over and over again. And so, you know, I was like, what's a way that we can combat this uh, so that people can find something that they feel that comfortably expresses themselves. Um, So that's when I got started. I started sewing again and um, really just wanted to be able to help people. So you mentioned, uh, started sewing again. Uh, how old were you when you learned how to sew? Um, 
my nanny, my grandmother, um, taught me how to sew from as early as I can remember. We were always doing sewing projects or handcrafts or, um, yeah. So I've just, I've sewn for a very long time and was looking for a way to help with this issue. So I just sort of taught myself how to sew again. And it sounds like maybe this wasn't always what you envisioned, or, or maybe I'm wrong as far as like what you wanted to do with your life career-wise. Um, was there ever something else that you considered or was something along this, these lines always it? Um, 100%. I have taken a lot of different career paths. Um, I always envisioned myself as an artist of sorts and, you know, from the time I was a kid, you know, I was always drawing and painting. And um, so I went to Bennington College for my undergrad um, and studied painting and sculpture and dance um, and was always trying to figure out ways to incorporate all of the, incorporate all of those mediums. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did that. I also um, went later and got my master's of education um, because I was worried about our country's critical thinking skills. <laughs> um, so I got my master's. I taught for four years and taught through an uprising, came back, worked retail for a minute, which is where I had this discovery. Um, I've done interior design. I, I've done a lot of different things. Um, and so Kat, I want sorry to interrupt. Um, I want to take you back to, you said you taught through an uprising. Can you, can you tell us what exactly that means? <laughs> um, so I grew up in Arkansas, Egypt, and Vermont. Um, I still have family in all of those homes. And um, so after I got my master's, I went back to Egypt to teach. And um, while I was teaching there, the um, Arab Spring was happening. And therefore, I was teaching through an uprising. Wow. Yeah. Um, so pretty wild ride. I, I would I would think so. Um, sorry, I was just taken aback a little bit by that. I was not expecting <laughs> to hear that. Um, so then, going back to to what you're doing right now, I, I'd like for you to tell us a bit about your business. So your business is Cat Whitledge Basics and Bespoke. Can you can you tell us? how it came to be about, you know, sort of the history of it, you know, stuff like how long it's been around and, you know, how it's evolved over time for you. Sure. Um, so once I decided to solve <laughs> women's con fashion conundrums, um, <laughs> I started making capes and cloaks and um, we had a family trip planned um to go back to egypt as a family um so i already had my ticket paid for and i i was like you know i i really would love to study with my favorite egyptian fashion designer 
um, which is Nagata um, in Cairo. And I wrote her an email and was like, hey, you know, just sort of cold wrote her an email. was like, I love your fashion. I'm going to be in Egypt for, for a short bit of time. Um, I would really, really love to come study with you. And just sort of sent it out into the ether and prayed to the universe for a couple of days. And two days later, uh, she wrote me back and she was like, sure. Yeah. Come on over. That's incredible. (laughs) So that kind of opportunity doesn't happen very often. So I really felt the need to take advantage of that. So I extended my stay there in Cairo for three months and uh, was able to work firsthand with my favorite designer and, um, and her master tailors, which was just such an amazing experience. Um, and it doesn't really happen that way here in the States. It's like, you know, if you write to a design company here, you you may be doing an unpaid internship for a year and serving coffee, (laughs) you know? So it was really a great opportunity to get firsthand experience. Um, And so then I brought that experience immediately back. That was in 2015, in the spring of 2015. And I came back immediately, found a space in Brattleboro, um, and just jumped right in. Started building tables to my spec, you know, like buying machines, buying everything that I sort of <laughs> needed to, to get the thing started. Um, and I brought back a lot of really amazing fabric with me from Egypt. All of my bags were bursting at the seams. Oh gosh, I bet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so can I, I want to jump back just really quickly to um, your experience with Nagata. And you were saying how you didn't think anything like that could ever happen here in the United States, how it's just a, it's completely different when you're trying to maybe start your career in this industry. Why do you think it's so different? It feels like there's been a sector of our economy um, where this unpaid internship is now sort of expected um and it just like i don't know i just couldn't um see myself going through that again i'd already gotten my bachelor's in fine arts i had gotten my masters and before i thought about this opportunity with my mentor i thought about you know do i go back to you know fit or parsons and try to get another bachelor's and yeah i just didn't want to go through that whole system already. I was in my, you know, early mid thirties at that point and, um, didn't want to be in that unpaid internship sector. Um, and I'm not sure why it is like that here and it's not like that in other countries. Um, So you were paid when you were with your mentor, like it was a job. Um, no, I was not paid. Um, But I was working firsthand um, with my mentor. And um, after that, she did offer me a job immediately. But, you know, just having 
just having access, like immediate access um, to a designer and her getting back to me personally. I think there is something to be said there about fame in our country, like fame and fortune and um, how those people seem untouchable and inaccessible. Whereas, you know, in Egypt, some of my friends are, you know, top actors and designers. And there's just, there seems to be a healthier um, line there with, you know, who's a pedestrian and who's famous and right. what that means in, in your culture and in your society um, and accessibility. I mean, it sounds like an incredible opportunity that you have. And so then you come back to the States and you start your business. You talked about making tables and, and, and buying equipment. And so, so where did you first start your business? I started my business in um, this really, really beautiful space in downtown Brattleboro. Um, and it was like a Berlin loft. I mean, the place is gorgeous, beautiful high ceilings, um, painted it a crisp white and, um, yeah, just a really lovely, um, place to, to be and to work and to host clients. Um, yeah. So people could sort of, you know, try on my muslins and step back into my workroom and really get a sneak peek into the process. I know a lot of designers don't really share that. So I think it was interesting for clients to be able to see the sort of back end of what um, the fashion business looks like. Um, I was just reading an article about uh, a family company that makes skis and, and part of their process is if you order skis from them, you go and you stay at their home for several days while they make them. So you're like, you're right there <laughs> in on the process. And so it sounds really cool that you had your studio open and people sort of get this behind the scenes look and like this real understanding of what goes into it all. <laughs> um, so how long ago then did you start your business? I started my business in 2015. 2015. So six, about six years now. Um, and so you, you, you live in Winooski now, but you originally started your business in Brattleboro. Can you talk to us about the, the move from, from one city to another and, and, and how that came about? So um, I have a beautiful niece who was born and living up here in South Burlington. And I was coming up here from Brattleboro like every other weekend to see her. It's like a two and a half hour drive each way. And um, I just really wanted to be in that baby's life. <laughs> and I wanted to be around her. And um, I also just, you know, in full honesty, um, was going through a pretty deep depression in Brattleboro. I just needed a life change. Um, so yeah, I decided to move up here. So you moved up here to, so you're in Winooski, um, and you have your business running here. 
And and how long would you say you had your business up and running here before the pandemic started? Um, I did not. I decided um, during the pandemic to to restart my business. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. I um I was currently I not currently I was um when the pandemic hit first of all I um I got sick with COVID in March which was pretty wild so right sort of when everything was first starting then yep right when like right before everything sort of shut down um I I was like, wow, I have a little head cold and there's a pandemic. I should maybe just treat it like it's COVID just in case. And thank goodness I did. Um, Because as far as I know, um, I was able to protect my coworkers and the folks who I was living with in community um, and my partner um, able to sort of distance enough to keep them from, you know, to keep them safe. Um, and everyone else was like, I'm sure it's just a cold. I'm sure you're fine. And then, um, I lost my taste of sense and smell. So I decided to go and get a test. And it's before they were really testing anyone um, without severe symptoms. Um, so I kind of, got in on this lucky little window where they had a few extra tests for people who are presenting mild symptoms. So I went, got the test and realized that I actually did have COVID. Oh, okay. So you have COVID, which I'm, I'm so glad by the way, that you were able to recover from it. And then you think I'm going to restart my business. So I was working for a, another company, um, doing interior design work at that point in time. Um, I had sort of closed down my studio. I had just closed down my studio in February because it became unsustainable to drive back and forth, um, from here to Brattleboro. So I had just sort of packed up my studio, which was sad in February of last year, put everything in storage um, got sick and then everything shut down in March. And, um, when everything sort of started to reopen, I went back to work for this company and, um, you know, it was just a really stressful time. A lot of, um, our staff was cut which included support staff. So, you know, the work pile was just loaded on those of us who were still there. Um, And I just reached a point at which I felt like it was too overwhelming and I felt like I was going to go into cardiac arrest over a sofa. So worth it, right? (laughs) When I came to that conclusion, it was just absolutely did not feel worth it and didn't feel like meaningful work. And I really just felt like I was not finished with my clothing business. And I really feel like 
you know, in those first years due to depression, due to distance between here and there, I sort of got started and was sort of chugging along, but was never really able to fully throw myself into the work. And, you know, because I had the momentum coming off of this other job where I was really hustling, I said, okay, you know what? Now's the time to restart my business. Um, I have, you know, done a lot of work on my mental health. I am feeling good about my family and my relationships and my self-worth. And I'm just, I'm ready to go now. So I got my things out of storage, set up my studio in my home. And um, within a month of having quit my other job, I had my studio set up and was trying to make things work. That's that's amazing. I, I would imagine that, though, it was a bit different the second time around because you reopened during a pandemic. Can, can you talk about like how it was different, you know, before non-pandemic and and now <laughs> in pandemic? So pre-pandemic, um, I had a studio um, where people could, where clients could come up and try on muslins, which is basically um, an inexpensive cotton prototype. Um, so you could, they could come and try those on, see what designs I had to offer, see what other fabrics I, I had to make the final outcome, um, and really just talk with people one-on-one. Um, and, you know, my business is very much one-on-one. It's, you know, measuring people um, who are, you know, trusting you while they're standing there in their underwear. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so very different. I also, um, you know, Brattleboro is a very small community. And when my business first started there, it was all word of mouth once I advertised for the opening. After that, I advertised once and then it was all word of mouth. So I didn't really feel the need to have that much of a social media presence or a web presence. Um, Whereas now, that's all I've got. Um, I mean, I have my studio here, but it's in my home and, um, we can't really work in person. So, you know, how do you transition online, working with clients through video, um, trying to get those measurements while, you know, I'm on this side of the screen and they're in their homes and I'm like, nope, maybe, you know, raise it, just raise the measuring tape just a little further. Yes, that's your true waste. (laughs) Um, You know, so trying to do those things over video, but um, it's, it's been working out and, you know, shipping muslins back and forth through the mail. um, It's honestly been working out, but you know, what also goes along with that is, um, you know, I've moved to a completely different, you know, a new area for me. So I'm not as well connected. So I feel like I do need to have 
a much larger web presence. Um, I had to really get my Instagram up and running and my Facebook and get professional photos taken to create the content and, you know, make the clothes to create, you know, some sort of inventory, which I've never really had to do before. Um, mostly everything I've done is a custom commission project. Um, so yeah, it, there are a lot of things that are very different um, than the way that I was used to working. Right. So I'd like to talk a little bit about what you do offer your clients. So you talked about custom commission projects. Is that the majority of, of what you offer people? Um, or are there other things? Like if people were to come to your website to learn more about you, like what what would they come away with? Like if they wanted to get something from you? <laughs> Right. So there are sort of three different sections of products and services. Um, and because I'm a solo entrepreneur, I'm also um, my web designer, <laughs> which is something that I uh, am learning slowly. So uh, have patience when you come to my website, please. I'm working on it. Um, so there are three different sections. There um I do now have some products that are ready-made. They are in my shop and those are ready to go like kimono and joggers and jumpsuit and the cape and, you know, things like that that are um, pretty specific, but you can come purchase them and I'll ship them straight out. Then there's a second sort of offering, which is you can look through the things that are in my gallery, things that I have previously made and say, you know, I do like that green shirt, but I'm wider at the shoulders or wider at the hips. And I'd like to have that made for me, but instead of the green fabric, I'd really like a black linen. Um, so this is more of the made to measure aspect of my business, a pattern that I already have, adjusting the pattern, changing um, the fit, the style, or the fit or the fabric, or, you know, taking a top and making it into a dress. So, you know, something that you've seen in my gallery that you would like to have customized to you. So that's the sort of made to measure. Then there's the bespoke aspect, which is the complete custom. You don't see it on my website. You have a thing that you have envisioned um, and you'd like to work together to bring this vision to life. So that's where we start drawing. We make measurements. Um, we talk about fabric. We um, talk about uh, the use for that garment. You know, are you getting married in a field? Okay, well then chiffon is not going to work for you because you're going to get snags and it's, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, so really just working out all of the logistics um, plus the fit and the style and the fabric, you know, just really catering it to the very specific need. And even if that's just, you know, hey, I'm 
super petite and I have to shop in the kids section normally, or I'm really tall and broad, um, or super pear shaped or, you know, whatever the person is working with. And they just want a little black dress that really fits that they can wear all the time. That's what I can do. Um, so it really, I, I start with my clients where they are. Um, if they have no clue, I can, you know, help them work through that. What's your body type? What's your lifestyle? Um, and really, you know, sort of walk people through the process of what it is that they might want and what might look good on their body. Right. You know, I, I feel like I talk to more and more women um, who are just really unhappy with what they're finding in stores, you know, on it's the rack. Nightmare. It's a nightmare out there. You know, like they just feel like there's nothing out there that fits them the way it should or that is like, you know, the style that they want. And so I feel like this is a really great alternative option for people, you know, what you're offering. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I also, you know, if a lot of women's bodies fluctuate um, within the month or from month to month, and I really try to design in a way that will flow with the body. Um, so that's something that, you know, I'm a woman, I have a body, we all experience it. Um, why not design for that? I love that. Just thinking about, because it is so true how our bodies fluctuate so much just within a month <laughs> yes. and how something one week, you know, may fit well, you know, something that, you know, we bought, you know, off the rack and then the next week it just does not. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's nice to think that there's clothing out there that you don't have to worry about. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, you know, we'll hopefully be, you know, timeless enough in design that you can get a lot of wear out of it. I also try to make my pieces as versatile as possible. A lot of them are reversible or you can wear them inside out or, you know, wear them with casually with pants and sneakers, or you can dress them up with pumps to go to the museum. You know, I like, I really try to make my designs as versatile as possible. Um, because my mood changes too. Right, you know, right. And I, I think that a lot of people are, are coming more around to the way of less is more. It's like, we don't necessarily want a closet just full of stuff just to have it. Like we want stuff that we love <laughs> and that we can mm -hmm. wear for a long time and that will go <laughs> for a lot of things, you know, be appropriate for a lot of different occasions. Right. Um, so you had mentioned, um, earlier that you are a solo entrepreneur and, you know, that has its challenges, you know, like joking about being your own web designer, which I think a lot of <laughs> solo entrepreneurs can relate to <laughs> because there's so many different um, pieces of the business that you have to juggle. Um, and, and being an entrepreneur is really hard, especially a solo entrepreneur. And so I was wondering if you could talk to us about your support system, you know, who do you, who do you turn to during challenging times? Are, are there other professionals? Is it, is it family? You know, how do you sort of stay sane and keep it all together when times are challenging? Um, great question. <laughs> it is really challenging and I feel 
so, so grateful that I have a really wide network of friends and family. Um, I oftentimes call my best friend and I'm like, I'm having a package breakdown. What are you like? Do I just wrap it in tissue paper or do I put it in this $300 box? Like, you know, and so, yeah, I feel really grateful that I, that I do have people to, um, bounce ideas off of and, um, you know, folks that, I can just go to and say, Hey, I don't really want any advice. I just really need to vent for a second and then I'll feel better. Thank you for being in here. You know, (laughs) um, yeah, I think this was one of the really challenging aspects when I first started the business. Um, I felt like I am an artist. I can take all of this on. I should be able to do my taxes and, you know, make new brilliant designs and do everything all at once, all on my own. Um, And it felt like a weakness to reach out. And I'm finding that, you know, no one can go it alone and like totally alone. And um, sometimes it's just comforting to hear other business owners in podcasts or um, locally, such as yourself, say, you know, it is really challenging and I can commiserate with you and just hang in there because you're going to have your tough days and then you're going to have your breakthroughs. Um, And it's just the nature of this business. It is a roller coaster. It's so true. It it really is. Um, and, you know, I was, as you were talking about that, you know, I was thinking back to you talking about your mentor and how much, you know, you learned from her and how, you know, that must be lessons you learned from her must be things that you also take throughout your business, you know, as you're doing things. And I was just wondering, is, is mentoring ever something that you would consider? Like if someone approached you, <laughs> um, is that something that, that you think you might want to do? in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I would like to, um, I'd like to get a little more, um, established here in my restart, um, in order to take someone on and also, you know, COVID just has (laughs) really turned everything upside down, but I, would absolutely love to mentor. I have, um, already in my studio in Brattleboro. Um, a lot of people took interest and I was like, Hey, you know, all you have to do is come up and, and I'll show you, I'll show you the ropes. Um, but what a lot of people don't understand about the work that I do is that it does take a real truckload of patience. Um, people, I think a lot of times people imagine that I'm just sitting behind the sewing machine and, you know, birds are whistling and it's this Cinderella sort of, um, atmosphere and it's, it's not, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of standing. It's a lot of adjusting one piece of fabric that's laying on your table so that you can cut it exactly right. So that you 
don't mess it up, you know, don't skew it somehow. Um, it's a lot of precision work that people don't understand goes into the art and the, the craft of it to make a quality garment. Um, so if you're interested, just know <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. And the first practice is going to be how to draw a straight line and how to cut a straight line. And it's mundane and it's a lot more taxing than you could ever imagine. As, as someone who is an amateur sewer or, or sewist, I'm not really sure what the correct term would be. Um, I, I do have a lot of trouble drawing a straight line. <laughs> so that really spoke <laughs> to me when you said that. <laughs> it's like, even if I'm just tracing over a pattern, I'm like, why isn't my line straight? <laughs> it's really difficult. <laughs> um, Kat, what would your advice be to other women looking to start their own business? Um, well, I have a lot of advice, um, but I will say one of the things that um, has in the past and I still struggle with is perfectionism. Um, it really can be crippling. It can really get in the way. And as I just said, a lot of this, a lot of the work that I do requires a lot of precision. And um, I've just realized that you, all you can do is your best and work with the tools that you have. And you have to just put things out there and see what happens and learn from what you've put out there. Um, and you're never going to reach perfection. It's, it's a constant game um, and an ebb and flow of like, okay, this worked, this didn't work. That, but you'll never know if your perfectionism cripples you and you're not able to produce. So that's one of the major things that I have struggled with and still have to remind myself I'm like, okay, well, you know what? That didn't work. <laughs> let's, let's pivot. Let's, you know, let's try something else. Um, that's one thing. Also, save up some money um, or find a best friend who's a grant writer. <laughs> <laughs> here, <Because> here. <laughs> it's really difficult to um, feel the freedom to create when you're not sure how you're going to put food on the table. So if you have a plan, if you can find a plan um, to save up some money before you hop into your venture, go for it. Um, you're going to, you're going to need it. Um, feel it's nice to have a little cushion um, and a little support. Absolutely. Kat, for, for those that are listening or really anyone out there, what would your advice be to those who are looking to incorporate more slow, sustainable fashion into their lives? Um, I would say it's totally worth it for our planet. Um, the number two polluter on, after oil in, on this planet is the fashion industry, the fast fashion industry. Um, so 
that's number one. Um, number two, it's really a lovely process and a healing process. Um, having someone work with your body instead of trying to make the clothes fit you um, that don't work, building something that does um, can be really, really rewarding. Um, and just the whole experience of, of shopping and bouncing ideas back and forth. It's really, it's fun. Um, and you know, the, the options are endless, um, which can be overwhelming for some, but that's where I can come in and help consult. Um, also, let's see. Um, it's just nice to know your maker and to build a relationship with the people around you and your community who are creating and we're doing it for a reason. We're doing it because it's smart and because it makes sense. And, um, you know, a lot of people are worried about the cost and the way that I work out my payments. Um, you know, we put down a deposit in the beginning. We put down another third whenever we do the muslin fitting and um, the other third of the payment upon um, receiving the final garment. So you know, I try to make payment manageable. Um, and it really is, you know, it ends up being around the same price for a very, you know, well-made off the rack garment that you're not going to be happy with in the long run. So, you know, might as well do it right the first time. Absolutely. Uh, Kat, where can our listeners find you online? So my website is kwbb.net. Um, a lot of autofills will take you to kebab.net. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure it doesn't autocorrect. Um, kwbb.net. I'm also on Instagram. Um, if you just type in Kat Whitledge, um, my Instagram should pop up. I'm also on Facebook. Same thing. Just uh, type in Kat Whitledge, uh, Basics and Bespoke, and I should pop up there. Um, and my info is all over my website. If you're just curious, give me a call. We can talk about your thoughts. Awesome. And um, for all of our listeners, I will list all of this information in our show notes as well. So it'll be really easy for you to connect to Kat online. Kat, thank you so much for chatting with us today. This has been a lot of fun and I, I really feel like I've learned a lot. All right. Thank you so much, Kristen. What a great opportunity. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. She Can Too is a production of Well Told Films based in Montpelier, Vermont. If you're interested in advertising during a future episode or know a woman entrepreneur we should speak to, email podcasts at welltoldfilms.com. Our original cover art is by Alyssa Ruggieri, and you can find more of her work at alr-designs.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts for free, and rate and review our show. Your support is crucial to our success. Until next time, bye!